Hi. How are you guys? Merry Christmas to you. It might be a two Bible Sunday this morning, so get ready. I don't know which one I'm going to go with. Okay. Uh, We are, of course, celebrating Advent, and uh, this will be the fourth Sunday that we're celebrating Advent. We have been talking about hope, love, joy, and peace. This morning we'll be talking about peace, and Advent is a time where we do this. We remember and celebrate that the, the fact that these things were brought to us in the first coming of Christ, that when Christ came, God sent his son because he so loved you. We who were sitting in darkness in our sins were brought hope and the very manifestation of love and true joy through the forgiveness of sins and peace with God. All of these things were brought to us in the first coming of Jesus Christ. But Advent is also about the second coming. Remember, there are two great Advents in Christianity, his first coming and his second coming. Advent means appearing, arrival. And when Christ comes again, the fullness of hope will be realized. The fullness of joy, the fullness of love and peace will be a manifest on earth when Christ comes again. So Advent is not only about remembering and celebrating Christ the babe who came, lived a perfect life because we couldn't, died in our place so that we wouldn't have to, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father in glory but who is also coming again in power to establish his kingdom on earth. So in Advent, we are celebrating, remembering, looking forward to, and so importantly, we are making room for these realities about Jesus in our lives. Because we know we just have busy lives. And even during normal seasons of the year, we need to be purposeful to make room for Jesus. But so much more, it seems strange at Christmas. Remember, the Christmas story, the original one, was that there was no room for Jesus at the end. So we're trying to make room for Jesus this season and truly celebrate and enjoy him through Advent. Part of how we're doing that is we're having families come up each Sunday and read scripture for us and then light the Advent candles. So we want to do that now and I want to bring forward the Smith family. Come on up, guys. This is Addie and Doug Smith. They have been at our church forever, pretty much since we started, huh, more or less. And these are their kids, Gabby, Ben, and Micah. And Gabby is the oldest, Ben's in the middle, and these two will be sharing the reading for this morning. So why don't you go ahead, buddy, right up here to the microphone. Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 75 and 78 through 79. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people, just as he sent, he has sent a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised, through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from who, all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadows of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Amen. The word of the Lord. (laughs) 
And now the lighting of our candles that represent for us and remind us of and help us to celebrate hope, love, joy, and peace. Thank you, Addie. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you. And the final candle, the Christ candle, will light together on Christmas Eve. Let's open up our Bibles now to that very passage that Ben and Gabby read for us. That was in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The title of this message is Peace on Earth. Please pray with me. Father, we would ask that this morning you would remind us of the wonderful things you've brought to us in the person of Christ. And we would be, by the Holy Spirit, wonderfully reminded of your love for us, the hope you've given us, the joy we now have belonging to you, having been forgiven our sins, and the peace that has been brought to us, that is ours, that is available to us, and that is coming in fullness. Lord, we would ask that these things wouldn't be lost on us. We know that we are a a busy and distracted people and stimulated by so many things, but we want the wonder of the word of God to work in our lives. We want the word of Christ to dwell richly in us. We want the glory of Jesus to be made manifest to us this Advent season. We want to be like the shepherds in the field who heard the angels say, glory to God in the highest bring you good news of a great joy. For today in the city of David, there has been born for us a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you for these wonderful things. Thank you that you love us. You're present in our lives. Thank you that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Be with us this morning. Lord, you know the things that trouble us. You know the things that challenge us our sense of peace and well-being. And yet we know that you rule and you reign and you're on the throne. You're near and you're present. You're good. You're sovereign and you're coming again. So help us to weigh out the things that challenge our peace with the glorious peace you've given us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, if ever there was anything that the world longed for, it's peace. We as individuals long for peace. We want peace in our families. We want peace in our community. We want peace amongst the races, peace amongst the generations. We want peace amongst the nations. And so everywhere you turn, there's peace efforts. There's peacekeeping troops, if that makes sense. There's, there's peace marches. There's peace signs. There's peace parties and peace 
delegations and peace processes and peace plans and peace negotiations and peace treaties and all these things are the reverberating sound in our world of the human heart that is deeply troubled and so longing for peace. And that's the very same situation we see in the text that was read for us by Ben and Gabby. Those were the words of John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. When John the Baptist was born and Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, And he began to say those things. Verse 68, again of Luke 1. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. That very sentence, praise the Lord, because he's visited and redeemed us, means that Zechariah and those in his family and those in his community and those in his nation were longing for a visitation from God longing for a touch from God, for God's presence in the land. They were longing for redemption. These were dark days in Israel. These were days of occupation by the Roman Empire. These were days of oppression. These were days of corruption within the religious system. These were days in which God had been prophetically silent for some 400 years, and they were longing for something that only God could bring. And John the Baptist would come as the forerunner who would prepare the way. And he said it in the last verse. Well, verse 77, we'll pick it up. He said of his son, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break on us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. The wonderful news that came forth by the Holy Spirit speaking through Zechariah, John the Baptist's father this day, was that there was now appearing in the land a path to peace. That this reverberating sadness, this corporate cry in the midst of confusion and difficulty would be addressed by God himself. For again, it said in verse 69, Zechariah is saying, God has sent us a mighty savior. God has sent us a mighty savior. And therein is a clue to the path of peace. You see, peace is nothing that can be achieved by humanity in and of itself. It's interesting if you go to New York City and you go to the UN building, And across the way from the UN building is something called the Isaiah Wall, a wall that was constructed there when the UN was formed. And they carved into this wall these words. This is from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. It says, They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. And as the nations gather there in New York City, that's the cry. We're looking forward to this day of peace. But there's something horribly wrong with the Isaiah Wall in New York City. They left out the first part of the verse, which says, the Lord himself will mediate between nations and the Lord himself will settle international disputes. But you see also subtly there's that that idea there at the UN building in New York that maybe somehow if we work hard enough, 
If we try enough, if we're wise enough, if we're smart enough, if we could just all get along, we'll be hammering our swords into plowshares. We will create some sort of peace. And the song that came forth from Zechariah was, no, the path of peace is now being revealed for a savior has been given to us. Isaiah, the prophet, sang the same thing 700 years before when he said, unto us, a child is given. Unto us, a son is born. And he will be the prince of peace. Isaiah was singing about it. And then Zechariah's dad was singing about it. And then a few weeks after John the Baptist was born, the angels sang about it. Luke chapter two, look there, starting in verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So there's this path of peace opening up at the beginning of the gospels here. This path that was spoken of by Isaiah and prophesied about by the other prophets, realized by Zechariah and the coming of John the Baptist, sung about as Christ was laid in the manger by the angels. And it says, peace on earth. It's a grand promise. Peace for all people. I bring you good news. It will be a great joy for all people. Peace. Now, what sort of peace is being spoken of here? Is this a political sort of peace? Is this peace amongst brothers and sisters? Is this peace in the faith community of Israel? Is this some sort of inner peace? And what are we talking about when we talk about peace? Because peace is one of those things that in our culture becomes a little bit mushy, like love, right? We use love with all sorts of liberality. We say, oh, I love my mom, and oh, I love burritos, It's not the same kind of love, is it? We throw that word around, right? Oh, I I love my kids and I love puppy dogs. Hopefully it's not the same kind of love. What are we talking about when we talk about peace? Well, we're generally referring to some sort of feeling. The Eagles sing about it. I got a peaceful, easy feeling. Remember that song, Ron? You remember that song. I got a peaceful, easy feeling. The Eagles sing about it. Is it... Is it just a a feeling, this peace thing? You see, here's the problem with our feelings. Our feelings are so easily manipulated. Our feelings are so easily maligned, right? There's some people who can put on a Bob Marley album and feel at peace with the help of other things. (laughs) There are those who would go surfing or go into the woods and say, oh, I, 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 I feel a deep sense of peace when I'm there. 
Is it, is it just this feeling that we're talking about? This promise of peace in the Messiah? Is it just this feeling that we're talking about? Think about the addict. Think about the person who's addicted to heroin, who as much as anyone in the world is longing for peace. And for a moment, they feel incredible peace. And there is, therein is the deceitful nature of our feelings. Because though they feel, they've manipulated, they've, they've maligned feelings in such a way that they, they, they feel this peace. We all know and they know that something is horribly wrong so there can't possibly be true peace. I could be in a peaceful setting. I could alter myself with things and create a sense of peace. I could so arrange my life and put up walls and push out things and bring other things so that I'm creating a space of peace. But we all know that something has gone horribly wrong. So there is no true peace. You see, when the Bible talks about peace, it talks about something called shalom. It's the Old Testament idea of peace. And it doesn't merely mean freedom from conflict. It means wholeness. It means a sense of, on on, on the full level of who we are, prospering, being well, being in an actual state of peace, not just a feeling of peace. You see, it's something much deeper than a feeling. We talked about how last week we can have joy as a feeling, but joy is something much deeper than a feeling, isn't it? Joy as a feeling is more like happiness. Happiness depends upon us doing what we want to do and getting our way. Joy is deeper. It has to do with us going God's way, which brings joy. You see, true shalom that's being spoken of in the scriptures, Old and New Testament, something much deeper. It is a restoration to wholeness, which is how God created us. As whole beings, we weren't created to have cancer. We weren't created for conflict. We weren't made to murder. We weren't wrought in our mother's womb for the day of war. We weren't brought forth only to die. God spoke you into existence. He brought you into shalom, peace. Because shalom always has to do in the scriptures with the presence of God. And in the garden, God was present. He was with them. In the fall, man was removed from the presence of God and shalom, peace, was disturbed. Something had gone wrong. We who weren't made for war were suddenly at war. We who were not fashioned for conflict were now entrapped in conflict. We were who, who were not made for disease, found ourselves diseased. And we who were made to live forever now experience death because of our sin. Rebellion against God. Peace departed from us. And ever since the day when God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden and stationed cherubim to guard the way back into it, they and we have been wandering around desperately searching for peace. So on the dark night, 
when the angels appeared in heaven and said, I bring you good news of a great joy. Peace on earth. This was a grand promise. This was much more than the absence of conflict. This was a return to wholeness. Look what Jesus said in the book of John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is talking about his leaving and his coming again. And he says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. Then he says the most interesting thing. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not like the UN building, I'm paraphrasing now. I mean, I'm talking my own words. Not like the UN building who's endeavoring to have peace apart from the one who made you. But real peace now I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Verse 28, remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. The idea of shalom, true peace in scripture, always has to do with the presence of God among his people. That's why in the garden, it was a place of true peace. That's why when Christ came as Emmanuel, he's able to say, Peace I'm giving to you. My peace I give to you. That's why at the very end, when all things are restored, the scriptures say in Revelation 21, God shall be among his people. He shall be their God and they shall be his people and he will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old things that passed away and all things have become new. Why? Because God is among his people. The presence has been returned. We have been united to God who is the only true source of peace. That's what Jesus was saying. When he's saying, I leave you with peace. And my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. This isn't an altering of your feelings. This isn't a manipulating of circumstances. This isn't a financial thing. It's not a health thing. It's not a conflict thing. It is a deep level return to wholeness through the forgiveness of sins. My peace I give to you. The only true peace in the universe is God's peace. And at Advent, we remember and celebrate God's peace being brought to us. Look what else Jesus said in John 16. John 16, the last verse. He's speaking again of his return. And he says in John 17, sorry, no, 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Now look at this juxtaposition. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have told you all this of my death, my resurrection, my ascension, and my coming again. 
so that you may have peace in me. In this world, you will have trouble. You see, there's all sorts of things that will challenge peace on every level in this world. The only place that we'll ever find peace is in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's Jesus's plan for peace for those who are his. Jesus brings us peace with God, peace of mind, and peace on earth. The first advent is about peace with God. Christ came to reconcile us to God. The book of Romans says that we were enemies of God. The book of Romans says all have fallen short of the glory of God and sinned against him. There are none that seek after doing good. No, not one. All of we like sheep have gone astray. And that this is the root cause of the disturbance and peace in the world, our sin. But Christ came to deal with the sin issue by paying the price for my sins on the cross, your sins on the cross, defeating sin, death, and the devil in his own death and resurrection so that we might be reconciled to God. So that Romans chapter five, verse one says, having been justified by faith, that is having put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, having been justified, that is to be declared innocent and holy because we're identified with Christ who was both innocent and holy. Having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God so that we can look forward to sharing in his glory with joy. What Christmas brings us, what the first advent brings us is peace with God. What Isaiah looked forward to, what Zechariah prophesied about through the Holy Spirit, what the angels sing about was that we might be reconciled to God and have peace with God. You know that passage in 1 John that says, Perfect love casts out fear. We use that in all sorts of ways, right? Our kids are afraid at night. We say, God loves you. Perfect love casts out fear. Or we're afraid of this or that and the other. But you, you know the context in which that's in? It's about the fact that through Christ, we have been delivered from judgment. The great fear of humanity is the day of judgment. And all of humanity will try to put it to the side of them and behind of them and ignore it and rationalize it away. But everyone on their deathbed suddenly becomes aware of the great day of judgment. And what, what, what do we hear? In every trench, in every hospital, at every accident scene, the question is always, have you, have you made peace with God? Christ came to reconcile us to God. The book of Romans says that he's the propitiation for our sins. Big Bible word. Propitiation. Can you say it? Propitiation. You got to spit a little when you say it. Pro- <laughs> propitiation. It carries this idea. To make someone propitious is to make them friendly, favorable towards you again. To propitiate is to create favor with. Jesus was the propitiation, the sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God for us. Jesus is our propitiation. That's what Christmas is all about. 
That's what the Christmas gift is. Jesus, our propitiation, the sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God for us. The sacrifice that satisfied the righteous standard of God for us. The sacrifice that satisfied God's judgment for us so that we have been now made friendly with God and him toward us. So that now, Romans says, our standing before him is in grace. That he only, always, and forever deals with his children according to grace. Because the huge fear of the day of judgment has been dealt with by Christ Jesus in our place. And so he has brought us peace with God. I have to ask you, I would be so remiss if I didn't ask you, have you made peace with God? It's nothing that you could do. You're guilty before God. All have sinned. All have fallen short. There is coming a day of judgment and your good will not outweigh your bad. There's nothing in the book that alludes to that. Even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags according to the holiness of God. Have you made peace with God? It's nothing that you could make up for or do. This is not like bringing flowers home to your wife. This isn't taking your kid on an extra little camping trip. This is the holy God of the universe whom we have offended with our sin. Have you made peace with God? The only way to do it is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. He lived a perfect life because we couldn't. He died a death on the cross so that we wouldn't. And he rose from the dead to give us new life and peace with God for all eternity. Have you put your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you and repented of your sins? If you haven't, you must. Can't let you leave this room until you do. I'm just kidding. I won't know. (laughs) Jesus came to give us peace with God. And then he came to give us peace of mind. Turn to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Remember General Electric Power Company, Galatians, (laughs) Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 4, you guys know this passage. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, talking about peace of mind. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Talked about that last week. I say it again, rejoice. Joy is a command, strange thing. We talked about it last week. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Oh my gosh, hold on right there. How many of you are doing well at this? Raise your hand. Don't worry about anything. That's just a stupid song. That's not real. Don't worry. Be happy. Can we even begin to count how often we worry during the day? Is there even a way to keep track of the things that we're worrying about? Have you seen the bags under my eyes lately? (laughs) And yet scripture has the audacity to say, don't worry about anything. Jesus said it in the gospels to his disciples. He said, be anxious about nothing. Okay, Lord. (laughs) 
don't worry about anything. Gosh, I worry about everything. What do I do? Look what it says. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. There it is again. Remember I told you the only true peace is God's peace. Jesus said, I I came to give you peace, but not as the world gives. My peace I give to you. Then you will experience God's peace. Look what it says about God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace of mind that surpasses comprehension. You know, for us, peace is normally dependent upon understanding, right? We, we, we have a sense on what's going to f- happen in the future. We've controlled the circumstances and we've got everything in line. So I'm at peace because I, I know what's coming down the pipe. Or, or in communication and relationships, there's, there's understanding. So, so now we've got peace. But this is a different kind of peace. This isn't a kind of peace that can be created. This is a kind of peace that is given. This is Advent peace. This is Christmas peace. Don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. I've I got to be honest with you about that. Prayer is not a magical formula and that when we pray, everything is okay, right? How many of you currently have unanswered prayers in your life? How many of you have prayed for things incredibly hard and didn't see them come to pass? So what the scripture is not saying here is, okay, you have worries, just pray and it will all work out. It's not that simple. I can't tell you how hard I prayed that my daughter wouldn't die of cancer. You all prayed. She did. You see, we misunderstand prayer. We think that prayer is a means to get what we want. When in truth, prayer is a means to get us to God. Because peace Shalom is only found in God's presence. And prayer is much more about who is with you than what you need from him. That's what's being said here. That's what Emmanuel is. That's what we sing about at Christmas. God with us. The fact that scripture says be anxious for nothing presupposes the fact that we will have much in this world to be anxious about. In this world, you will have trouble, Christ said. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then this promise, then God's presence, Emmanuel, you will experience God's peace, shalom, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's beyond understanding. We don't have the answers to why the world is the way it is and all the minutiae. We know it's because of sin. But why did my daughter die? Why did your parents get divorced? Why do you now have this illness? Why did that financial institution collapse? Why did you lose that? Why did she leave you? Why did he break your heart? Why can't you have that? We don't have all those answers. 
The peace of God is beyond the answers. The peace of God which surpasses comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, by putting our faith in him, we're identified in him. Having been reconciled to God, we have peace with God, which is the only means by which we can have peace of mind. The steadfast of mind. He keeps in perfect peace because he trusts in me. Isaiah 26, 3. The steadfast of mind. He keeps in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. The heart and the mind that is fixed on Christ Jesus experiences true peace. Peace of mind. My peace I give to you. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. How do we do this? Romans 8.6 says this. The mind set on the flesh and the deeds of the flesh is death, but the mind set on and intending to follow the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Last week I mentioned this, that joy that we were talking about is connected to obedience. And sometimes we're not experiencing joy in our lives because we're refusing to obey God in certain areas. And what we generally do as people is settle for happiness instead. We talked about the nature of happiness. It's it's fleeting. It's flimsy. But we settle for happiness. We know, well, this thing may be wrong, but if I get it, it's going to make me happy. So we go after it. Getting revenge on this person may be wrong, but I'm going to feel happy for a moment if I get it. This thing that I run to, to... Numb the pain. It may be wrong, but it'll make me happy for a moment if I consume it. And we spend our life pursuing mere happiness, all the while sacrificing true joy. Joy is found in obedience. When we fight for our own way, we may have a fleeting sense of happiness for a moment, but we're robbed of joy. Joy comes in obeying the commands of the Lord. That was last week. Don't exchange joy for happiness by demanding your own way. Go God's way. Now, peace is similar. Peace is connected in Scripture to righteousness. Both the righteousness of Christ, which is ours through faith, and the righteousness of ours as we imitate Christ and endeavor to obey. Hebrews chapter 12 says that God will discipline us because he loves us. And it's not fun to be disciplined. But after that discipline, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You see, in the same way that we exchange joy for happiness, we often exchange peace for comfort. We look to make our lives comfortable in all sorts of ways. I'm, I'm not talking about having nice cars and nice couches. I'm talking about all the ways that we try to insulate ourselves from living openly, living honestly, pursuing God with our whole hearts, living sacrificially for others, giving ourselves away. You see, we think if we could hem it all in and take care of ourselves and look out for number one and and keep our boundaries comfortable, then we'll have it. When in truth, peace is found in righteousness 
and following Christ and giving ourselves away. For God so loved the world that he gave. And we who have been so loved by God now give of ourselves in obedient righteousness to God. Jesus came to give us peace with God, peace of mind, and finally, peace on earth. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. Here's where we end, Isaiah chapter 9. We rejoice that we've been given peace with God through Christ. We are so thankful for peace of mind through his presence in our lives, through pursuing righteousness, through trusting in him. But we're all aware that there is still much that is wrong in the world. And this is second advent. Christ comes again to set right everything that has gone wrong. Chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery. Let's pause right there. We understand that in this context at this time, it was talking about political oppressors. We understand in our context in this time, the one that we were enslaved to was sin and Satan. We get that, right? And that Christ came to break the yoke of the oppression of sin and Satan through repentance and putting faith in Jesus. You will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And then look what it says in verse five. This is talking about judgment now. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Look how this all happens. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. What's being said here is that Christ has come and Christ is coming again. When he came, he brought us peace with God and peace of mind. But he is coming again to bring peace on earth. The day of reckoning where he will set right everything that has gone wrong and will rule and reign from earth. Look at the picture of this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse six. Look at the reversal of all these things. Isaiah 11, verse six, speaking of the second advent of Christ. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hands in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For 
Here we go. You ready? For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Why? Because the Lord will be in their midst. Verse 10. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. What that's talking about is the restoration of shalom. Isaiah 66. Here's where we end. Last book, last chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 66. About this day when he returns, says in verse 12, this is what the Lord says. I will give Jerusalem a river of peace and prosperity. Shalom. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breast, carried in her arms and held on her lap. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. When you see these things, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like the grass. Peace on earth is what the angels sing about. It's what the UN talks about. But it will only be realized when shalom is restored. And shalom is only restored in the presence of God, who in Christ is coming again. So what do we do until that day? What is Advent about? Blessed are the peacemakers. Live at peace with one another. Be at peace with all men so much as it depends on you. And pursue the peaceful fruit of righteousness as those who've been reconciled to God, who've been given peace of mind through Emmanuel, Christ with us. We become ambassadors of peace in a world that is searching for it desperately. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for these great and wonderful promises. Lord, again, we pray that these things wouldn't be lost on us, but you, Holy Spirit, would help us to experience the peace of Christ. We ask, Lord, that you, the God of peace, would give us peace in all times and in every situation because we've been reconciled, because you're with us and we are yours and because you're coming again. We ask that you would cause your face to shine upon us and give us peace. We ask that we have peace and joy in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit and that we would abound in hope. For you've given us great and glorious promises, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister these things to our hearts this Advent season.